The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Once again, to we came from the radio, the official League of the Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. With me via virtual distancing, we have none other than Fishy Sarcasm's Dominic Definition Man Toronto. Hello, everybody. We have senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Good evening. And we have none other than L Man Jane Kelby. Hey! hey. <laughs> On this week's show, uh, we have. Where's my list? Oh, I lost Go my list. Go get your list, Mark. Go get your list. I have my. Oh, here it is. On this week's show, we have another Jay Bernalee segment, and Jen. L man Jenny Fellow, the interviews model and filmmaker. Why don't I have the guy's name? <laughs> <laughs> Bo Roberts? Bo Roberts, yes. Hell yeah. I, I, I changed the title, but I didn't I have the old person's name on here. It's all good. Yes, that's good job, me. But yes, uh, model and filmmaker Bo Roberts. So before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. It's more than time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of Sci-Fi.Radio. That's Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the fine folks at the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 26 years of this in pop culture. So for more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention, which is the Big Apple Christmas Con, is scheduled for December the 17th of this year year. I want to give out shout-outs to our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portes, Newsday, Famous Dresden Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, Yasin Ray, and Rosa. Want to get your own little shout-out? Go to our website, www.camefromradio.com, and there's a button on there to take you right to our Patreon page, and just for a dollar a month, you get a shout-out on our show. We'll greatly appreciate it. As always, we start off with these sad news, and we have a lot of sad news to go over, so I'm going to burn through this as quickly as possible. <clears throat> Whole lot of death going on. Burn, baby, burn. Actor Henrya Henrya Henry Silva died recently, uh, as of this recording, which is uh, September the twenty eighth of twenty twenty two. No cause of death has been announced. Henry appeared in such films as The Law and Jake Wade, The Bravados, The Original Ocean's Eleven, Cinderella, The Manchurian Candidate, The Return of Mr. Moto, The Plainsman, Never Dull Moment, Frame Up, The Italian Connection, Almost Human, Kidnap, Contract on Cherry Street, Buck Rogers in the Twenty Fifth Century. That was a movie. Um, Day of the Assassin, Virus, Alligator, Sharks, Sharky's Machine, Trapped with a D. Extra D. Mega Force, Chain Heat, Escape from the Bronze, Cannonball Run Part 2, Lust in the Dust, Code of Silence, Alan Quartermain in the Lost City of Gold, Amazon Women on the Moon, Bulletproof Above the Lord, Train to Kill, Dick Tracy, Silence of the Hams, that's Hams, and The End of Violence and Ghost Dog, Where the Samurai, just to name a few. Uh, of note, Henry just died nine days before his 96th birthday. Um, wow. I, was a, I remember Henry. Uh, he was like the uh, uh, classic bad guy. And that's why I remember yep. him from. Uh, yeah. Charlie, you were around back in the in his in his prime when he was in the big time movies. Uh, do yes. You any, uh, do you have any stories? Yeah, Ocean's Eleven. Uh, Ocean's. Uh, well, let me just say this: he was a a huge friend of Sinatra. They were very good friends, him and Henry. And uh, yeah, he's he's one of those guys that uh, when you see him, you can't think of him playing a good guy role. Yeah. 
He's yeah, just no. one of those those guys naturally looks like he's the bad guy. Dominic, you a fan of his work? I remember him in Ocean's Eleven, the original, but I really remember him as being the bad guy in Above the Law, uh, <clears throat> where he was playing like a CIA drug dealer. Yes. Um, he was like in charge of the whole like drug dealing program. And I got to tell you, like, he was a good menacing bad guy, but as a bad guy goes, he was also pathetic <laughs> in a certain way. I remember this vividly watching the movie. Like, he was going to, you know, Steven Seagal, of course, played the good guy in this. And, you know, you don't push Steven Seagal around in one of his movies. So he tries to, like, take Steven Seagal out, not by actually stabbing him with the knife, but just holding in front of him. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, that's not going to work. Like, he was the most ineffective in terms of a threat of a bad guy. He was just, like, stupid. <laughs> like, I remember like, him. I'm going to uh, swipe at you a little bit. Like, he got taken out in two seconds by Steven Zagal. He karate chopped him. It was over. Most of all, I remember uh, Sharky's Machine, that he was a really good bad guy in that. Like, he had a role. He had a type he played towards, and he did a fabulous job. Mm. Uh, L. Man Jane Phillips, should I ask or should we move on? I think you summed it up, but it sounds like he did indeed put the D in the uh, trapped with the extra D. <laughs> so, more sad like so he was 95, nine days before his 96th birthday. And uh, I, have, yes. I, I have to add this. He was one of the very well-dressed bad guys of all time. Yes, yes. That's Always true. in the suit. Yes, yes. That's very yeah. true. So moving on from more sad news, producer, TV writer, and photographer Dale McRaven also died recently. Also, um, no cause of death has been announced. Uh, while Dale worked on such shows as The Joy Bishop Show, The Original Odd Couple, That Girl, and Gomer Pyle USMC, Dale's perhaps best known for co-creating the series Mork and Mindy, as well as creating the series Perfect Strangers. Um, of note, after retiring in 1993, Dale became an award-winning life, li- wildlife and landscape photographer. So that's weird that he was a television executive and creator, and he just went complete south to the calmness and the serenity of wildlife and and landscape photography. Well, I mean, you're going to retire. Might as well retire somewhere peaceful. I guess. Um, no, you makes a lot of sense. I mean, so? I'm only 38, and with my experience in entertainment industry, I totally can understand just living on a cliff or inside the Grand Canyon, you know, soon, for sure. Um, fair enough. Um, were you a fan of... Uh... Joy Bishop show there, Charlie? Um, well, that was at the time when all the networks were competing for a late night show, you know, against Carson. So you had Merv on two, Joey had on seven, and Carson, of course, on four. And it was hard to, you know, watch either one of those uh, shows if you were a big Carson fan. So uh, I like Joey Bishop, but I mean, I never watched the show a lot. Fair enough, fair enough. You know, but uh but Dale was an extraordinary talent and uh a lot of, he was involved in a lot of groundbreaking shows. I, I, I was a fan of uh, Perfect Strangers. I really was a uh, enjoyed that show a lot and um sad that the creator of that is no longer with us. Uh, and I'm he, sure very few were perfect strangers to Mark and Mindy, another great work of his. Uh, very nicely done. Uh he was eighty three years old. Um even more sad news, producer and screenwriter. Zach Estrin, E-S-T-R-I-N, also died recently from a heart attack while jogging. Uh, Zach worked on such shows as The Original Charmed, Dawson's Creek, and True Calling before going on to be one of the executive producers for his Fox show, Prison Break. 
So he helped co-create Prison Break, which was a groundbreaking show at the time. Uh, he was only 51 years old. Um, I love Prison Break, and that's really awesome that he brought this to life. And once again, another person who created some stuff. And while jogging, he had a heart attack. That that gets me. There's a lot of heart attacks this late, this year. There's a lot more. So are you a fan of uh, any of those shows there, Jen? Pass. Pass. Taking a mulligan. Dominic, what about you? Um, not – I know the shows – I can say I was a huge fan of, of many of them. Looking through his IMDb now, um, they're all shows that came up while I was a like while I could have watched them. They were never my taste. But it is sad that you're 51 and you're jogging. Just for the proof that exercise will kill you. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Jen's probably like like no, it won't. Oh <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it can for sure, definitely yeah, can. That's true. Yeah, it definitely could be very deadly. Well, they are saying now, like, too much intense exercise causes just as much inflammation as no exercise. I'm sure, yeah. No, I barely worked out in the last two years, and I feel a lot better. So, yeah. That's, well, there that's, you not, go. that's not a, a recommendation. No, well, I taught workout class, and that's not a safe job. If you're, if you're teaching it for a living, that means one to eight hours a day, you're actually kind of working out, going through the motions, your brain, your neurological system's going through it. So, you know, you do that for like eight years, your system just gets jammed, especially doing that for like decades for being professional. So my body's like needed break. But if you never taught workout classes, don't take my advice. Keep working out, you know. Right. I do it in excess, you know. Moving, moving Someone on. told me though, like you can train for longevity or you can train for glory, but you can't do both. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, it is partially true. I figured out. I think I figured out a happy medium. But anyway, Mark wants to move on. <laughs> yes, moving on for more sad news. We still have for more, more dead to go. people. Um, yeah. Actress and exotic dancer Francesca Isabella Navidad, professionally known as Kitten Navidad, also died recently. Also, no cause of death was announced. Kitten appeared in such films as Up, with an exclamation point, Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Victions, Deep Jaws, My Tutor, Taking It Off, and its sequel, Taking It All Off. The Tomb, Another 48 Hours, 40 to Hardways, Buford Beach Bunnies, and the Double D Avenger, just name a few. Um, of note, she was an adult film actress for most for part of her career, and she was best known for her 44 G-sized breasts. Senior correspondent Charlie Saladino, are you familiar with Kitten Aviat? Actually, no. Oh, wow. I, that, was about, that was about it. I, I cannot say. I was just, I don't want to let that go. That movie that I've never seen and a sequel. Oh, take, taking, taking it, it all, all and, and then sequel, taking, taking it, it all. all. <laughs> yeah, how did that pass me? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't let that go. Dominic, are you familiar anyway, with, I uh... wasn't familiar with this poor lady, but uh, Dominic, are you familiar you with uh, Kitten's work? No, I am not. Wow, I guess I'm the only person who heard of her. And know who she is. I guess because I used to work at a movie theater, uh, um, uh, Blockbuster. Her videos were always sure. Staring Let's at go me. with that's the reason why you know her. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've worked at uh-huh. Blockbuster for ten uh-huh. years, and uh-huh. I just I just know Kit Navi does. Are and her movies at Blockbuster? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah she worked with me at Blockbuster. No, I'm saying her movies. Yeah, on... I said are her movies on Blockbuster? Smartass. Yeah. Yes, yes, they were. <laughs> <laughs> I made perfect sense. Don't mock someone who makes perfect sense. Yeah, you can mock me when I don't make sense, but when I do make sense, no, no, no. Yeah. Also, right. so wait, did they have nudie movies at Blockbuster? 
No, and, there were there were no uh, as we were asked many times. There was no adult section in Blockbuster because it was a family friendly store. But they did have, um, I guess the the term is hard R movies at times. Yeah, you you would have um, something like would be like considered an erotic thriller, like taking it off and taking it off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Once again, how the hell did I miss them? <laughs> All right, so moving on. These, these, I'm night. like looking at the names of these movies. We cannot discuss any of them on, <laughs> she, on the show. Yeah. She was she was 74. So it's moving on. So the last bit of sad news. We reached that point. Last bit of sad news. Oh, thank God. Um, actress Louise Fletcher also died recently. Also, uh, no cause of death has been announced. Uh, Louise appeared in such films as Thieves Like Us, Russian Roulette, Exorcist Part 2, The Hederic, The Cheap Detective, The Lady in Red, Lucky Star, Mama Dracula, I love that title, uh, Strange Behavior, Strange Invaders, Firestarter, which I remember her from, Invaders from Mars, The Boy Who Can Fly, which I remember her from, Flowers in the Attic, Two Moon Junction, Best of the Best, Blue Steel, Return to Two Moon Junction, Two Days in the Valley, Love Kills, Cruel Intentions, Touched by a Killer, Finding Home, The Last Sin Eater, Dennis the Menace Christmas, and Grizzly Part 2, Revenge, which was filmed in 1983, but officially released in 2021, just to name a few. On the small screen, Louisa We're waiting such... for the time to just be right for the release of that movie. <laughs> yes. On the small screen, Louise appeared in such slow show slash mayor team movies as Thou Shall Not Commit Adultery, Islands, A Summer to Remember, The Last Waltz on a Tightrope, The Karen Carpenter Story, Final Notice, Nightmare on the 13th Floor, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Someone Else's Child, VR5, The Stepford Husbands, Sins of the Mind, Married to a Stranger, Time Served, The Time to Remember, Dad for Christmas, Shameless, and The Bad Girls Just Name a you of course louise is best known for her oscar-winning role as nurse ratchet in the film one flew over the cuckoo's nest are you familiar with uh one flew over the cuckoo's nest there charlie senior correspondent charlie saladino oh my god i'm i'm familiar with uh miss fletcher over there she was what what a great actress she was charlie lives in the cuckoo's nest he knows her very well (laughs) what about you there dominic uh, I'm familiar with it. I didn't actually, I've never watched it. I remember her the most from Deep Space Nine being just a woman you hated. <laughs> I mean, you hated her in, in that too. Like she played it so well, like uh, playing Kai, I forgot what the um, the rest she, of the name was, but you know, like just this, she was able to encapsulate everything that you hate about religious people who would bend religion to their own needs and whims right you know that's the how she played that character and you're just you're like oh i can't wait for someone to kill this woman off so a testament of her acting ability yeah no it was very good it was like you just like oh you, you could just see through it. you knew she was so fake and you just hated it and she played it so well and that's the exact way she played the nurse and uh, yeah and Ra- yeah, Nurse Ratchet, yeah. same thing. Cuckoo's Nest, yeah. Obviously, they picked her for that role because of what she could do and one flew over the yeah. Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. So she was uh, 88 years old. Very talented woman. So that's yeah. it for the sad news. Let's go on to the not a sad news. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Let's see. Finally. From from the, this right here is how you mess up a good thing department. Due to the incredible success and almost universally consistent positive reviews of the series Cobra Kai, none other than Sony Pictures has announced that it will release a new Karate Kid movie on June 7, 2024. 
Based on all reports, however, the new movie will have nothing to do with the series. Cobra Kai creator says, The guys and I would love to make a Karate Kid and Cobra Kai movies and hope to someday. But this one isn't from us or focused on the Cobra Kai cast. Don't know much about it, but I wish it well. Uh, For those of you who don't know or care for that matter, Cobra Kai is a Netflix sequel series originally released on YouTube Red, of all places, of the original four Karate Kid movies reuniting uh, the original stars and teaming up with a new cast. Uh, has any of you seen the Cobra Kai series? Yes, oh, yeah. I have. Oh, yeah. And did you enjoy it? What did you thought? Good? No good? Watch it? Don't watch it? I enjoyed oh, I it. it. Yeah. I love it. So, so yeah. nostalgic to me. And it's, they pay such homage and love to the first three films. Right. Yeah. Um, Plus wonder, the original people. Watch. Yeah. Plus the original yeah, people. Yeah, the original people. So is it wise of Sony? No, no, <laughs> no it's not. No, it's really, they did this twice before with Hilary Swank, and then with uh, Jackie Chan, who did a you know pretty good job. But but Jackie Chan, they, uh, they had they, I love they called the Karate Kid, karate. and it's Kung Fu. Yeah it's, yeah, it's silly. They did it twice before, and it was never really that good. So <laughs> why are you going for the trifecta of failure? Because we don't have a trans body kid. It's very important that we do that. We have to give everyone rec- representation. It's very important. Very serious okay. matter. What? Right. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just it's silly because they have this really successful television series. series. But it's a Sony property on Netflix. So, you know, why not make it a Sony property for Sony and make more money for Sony? Well, like, you have this. Everyone's invested in seeing these characters now. Why not make it, yeah, especially coming out in 2024? So you can have the final season of of Cobra Kai in 2023 come out that leads to the movie coming out in 2024. That would make sense. <laughs> yes. I mean, you're, you're just like absolutely blowing this opportunity. But then again, you never Wouldn't know. People you... might complain enough and they will change their mind. Lord knows it's happened before. Every once in a while, when... These brain children come up with these ideas. I would love to be in that executive office just to say, you got to be effing kidding me, <laughs> you know, just for the, for the sake of, you know, actually calling them idiotic to their faces. Anyway, go ahead. So, yeah, I think it's a horrible idea to ruin the goodwill of the franchise to try and make money movies. Mark, what yeah, does the executive say? Yeah. No, that was it. That's all I had for that. That's, that was it. It, it reminds oh. me, of, I've said this before, it reminds me of what Jerry Seinfeld said that of TV executives that entertainment is just not their field. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So, so that's the number one. And number two, it's not nearly as good an idea as knowing what those two guys that steal Ferris Bueller's car did on that time <laughs> off. That's a genius idea. Genius idea. It's uh, going to be as successful as the reboot of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, speaking of reboots and moving stuff on, from the Never Say Never Again department, in a recent update of the status Sean of. Connery's going to play Bond one more time. <laughs> third. <laughs> Yes. Deadpool movie, none other than Ryan Reynolds posted a short video which features Hugh Jackman agreeing to play Wolverine again, only mm-hmm. to be followed up with a Hugh and Ryan video addressing Wolverine's quote unquote final appearance in Logan, saying that the film will be set that the Logan film was set in twenty twenty nine 
So his appearance in Deadpool 3 has nothing to do with that, and they then go on to mime uh, with, the audio, with the audio being replaced by a song, what happens in the sequel. Specifically, um, wham, wake me up before you go-go. Yes. So shouldn't he play the Wolverine again after making a big stink about him retiring the character and never coming back? What do you think there, Dominic? Well, just like Connery coming back one more time for one more Bond, it was actually funny. I was on Instagram today and I saw the interview that Hugh Jackman did on Howard Stern discussing like get Seinfeld telling him like you got to know when to walk away and he said oh that conversation made me realize this is the last film I should be doing and then Robin Corver's coming in and saying like yeah but you know Connery came back one more time and make that money and he's like well you know maybe I'll leave the door open so <laughs> yeah I, I look they've been angling kind of to have him in in the Deadpool movies for a while now and clearly Ryan Reynolds and him are actually very good friends so if you're going to come back and do this it's kind of cool that you're going to come back and do it one tongue in cheek and two do it because a good friend of yours is asking. And three, because it's, not it's re- going to be a big bag of money. Uh, attached. A big bag of money, <laughs> big bag of money, but well, it's not, it's a project that even though there'll be a big bag of money attached to it, it's clearly, he's not doing it just for the giant bag of money like Connery did. But he did never say never again. He's probably doing it for numbers one and two more right, so well, than just a giant, like, cause if, it wasn't going to be fun for him to do it. I don't think he would come out of retirement to do that. Although do he does have four or five kids. So therefore, if you have four <laughs> or five kids, you kind of have to make some movies that's you might true. not want to make. And yeah. that's the only reason he might not want to do it. Look, I it's think. not like he's going to make a remake of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So. Charlie, I literally crickets in the background. But he should. He should. Yeah. Charlie, what do you think? I think, personally, if you're going to never say never again... Have him come back, but also have Ryan Reynolds come back as the Green Lantern. Well, he, he, already, sort of killed, he already killed himself. And- <laughs> I know. But, yeah. You know, never say never again. Yep. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, I'll look never, at the, never look say at never. The, You'll never, never fast, say never, Jen? Yeah. Look at, the, look at the Fast and Furious franchise. We thought That's the true. guy in Japan was killed. He That's came true. back in the last movie. Hey, also true. No one has ever, first of all, this is like X-Men MCU. No one's ever dead. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, they killed off, uh, what's her name? They killed off Patrick Stewart and brought him back and killed him again and brought him back. Exactly. (laughs) I think they've killed him off two, three times now and brought him back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they've also killed off Jean Grey twice, two different actresses. It's the same way. With the she's same supposed to be the same device. actress, but she's supposed to be the same actress, the same character. She's supposed to be growing from one to the other. Yeah, clearly not, though, because <laughs> they killed her again. Yeah. Yeah, she'll be back. She'll be all right. Yeah. She'll be okay. It's just a flesh wound. Yeah, just put a bandaid all, on it. They're all getting to be like Kenny. Yeah. From South oh, Park. my God. You killed Kenny. You bastard. I you're think so right. I think if you're going to bring him back, this is the way to bring him back. Yeah. Because it's not like, I don't think in any way, shape, or form, it'll take away from the Logan movie, which was pretty darn good. And a great yeah. farewell to the actor. And then, as um, has been said many, many years from now, that because the movies are no longer numbered, you can right. watch them pretty much in any order. So you make up the order you want to watch them in. 
That's a great <laughs> so thing. So you can still see. So people watching, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the line and want to watch it can still watch Logan at the end. I've always said I don't care about continuity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just keep it going. Just do some stuff. Dance, monkey, dance. That's all we need to know. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. No one cared that, like, Hayden Christensen came back as Vader. People loved it. The, the fans, exactly. They exactly. loved it, even though that they hated him back then, which is weird how was it a uh, revisionist history is made. Well, they did a they did like an interview about it and they said like really the prequels are a little bit before their time and now are much more appreciated. It also helps that the sequels sucked really badly. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kinda like you don't know how good you have it till you find <laughs> something worse and then you go, Oh, you know, well, those prequels really weren't so bad. True. All right, so we have uh, less than... Yes, Charlie. I was going to say, the worst example of killing off somebody and then bringing them back was Dallas. I was just going to say JR. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Dallas, was, uh, when, when they killed Bobby. Yes. And uh, they did a whole season. Finally, you find out who killed Bobby. The next thing you know, Victoria Principal wakes up and Bobby's taking a shower and it was all a freaking dream. So yep. everything in that season after they Gone. killed Bobby didn't matter. Do you so, know why they did that? Because like the head creator and writer of the show left for a year for whatever reason, comes back, sees what the show was like, not what he thought it was going to be. He's like, man, I wish this was just a like, yeah. bad dream. And like, there you go. Bad dream. That's how we're going to write this away and make it better again. So before we get to our final thoughts, actually, this will be my final thought. As a side story to that, um, if you remember at the time, Not Slanting was a sister show to uh, Dal- um, to um, to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they had a funeral for the character <laughs> in their show. And then when they revealed it was all a dream, they're like, yeah, we just kind of started shying away from the connection to the other series. I always thought that was funny, and the the showrunners had no idea that it was a a dream. Mm. So with less than a minute to go there, Dominic definitely is funny. A final thought? Yes. Would you like to share that final thought? (laughs) (laughs) Make that money, dude. Make that money. All right. Elman Jenny Felding? Do everything with integrity so you can sleep well and live well. Senior correspondent Charles Saldino, take us home. I'll take you home. All my prayers go out to all those people in Florida. Stay safe, people. That's beyond their control at this moment. I know. I love when people say stay safe when there's absolutely nothing you can do. (laughs) It's just comical at that point. So with that, we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with the game from the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio, sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Bird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're here with special guest Riley. What's up? And we're going to talk about The Bullet Train. Yep. Um, so, what did you think of it? It was really good. Like, I liked it, but Brad Pitt was probably the best part. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that. 
Um, the storyline was a bit choppy, but it was uh, it was pretty good. We went with one of our friends. Yep, name Horatio. And we basically were able to just watch the movie. It was pretty fun, though the preview scared me. <laughs> um, there was this horror film that was previewing, and I literally screamed in the theater. But anyways... It was a very fun time. We wound up um, just, like, watching the movie. And then at one point, a heat surge happened. And... It blocked it, like... It shut down our movie theater. Yes. So we were like, what the heck? It was, like, right near the ending, too. Yeah, it was, like, uh, I would say, like, 30 minutes from the ending. But still, like, we're so close to finishing. Yeah. And um, then they were like, sorry for the inconvenience. It'll be on in a second. And they fixed it. Apparently, it was so hot outside that the... heat wave. Yeah, heat wave. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, it was so hot outside that they decided... I mean, well, they didn't decide, but the power, like, shut out. Yeah. So, basically, we finished watching the movie, and there was a... um, There was a person that came over to our theater and was like, guys, um, here's a free movie, here's like a movie ticket. Yeah, like we got three free movie tickets. Uh Uh-huh, to see any movie we'd want, and just because of that inconvenience that one day. It was like amazing. But, um, anyways, so, who was your favorite character of the movie? Brad Pitt. Well, yeah, but like, how come? Because like, he was funny during it. Like, all this nice scenes, he was very funny. Yeah, I think the storyline was okay. It was basically about the white... I forgot his name, but there was a villain... Yeah. ...who was trying to basically kill everyone on that train. Yep. It was very much reaching for certain points. Like, what you wind up finding out that the girl in the movie is... um the bad guy's daughter it's like where does that come in and then people just become alive after being killed for like an hour it's yeah it's sort of odd yeah um it wasn't the best movie um but i still liked it It yeah but i mean it's a good one to just sit back and relax yeah um if you like action and there's a lot of gore so i will definitely what's gore like, blood, uh, and, yeah. you know, it's sort of just a good movie for people who like action. Yep. Um, personally, it is not one of my favorites. I think Brad Pitt has plenty of other good ones. But there was a surprise appearance of Sandra... Ah, oh man, I forgot her last name. Sandra Bullock? I forgot her last name, but it starts with a B. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, what else did you like about it? Well, it was just, a, like, all I liked was kind of, like, Brad Pitt and the two brothers that w- did not even think that they were re- re- related. Well, I'm assuming they're adopted, that's why. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, he is But there were, like, two Hitman brothers that were actually very funny comedically. Yeah. And honestly, it was pretty um, 
you know, comedical and interesting to watch as, like, a group. Yep. I'm not sure that I would see it again. However, we did benefit by the other tickets. Yes. So we gave it to our parents so they could have a quote-unquote date night. Yeah, at the movies. Mm-hmm, which they haven't used yet. I don't know why. Well, maybe we could see something. Yeah, maybe we could steal it back and just yeah. go and see something. Sounds good. We could take the dog, too, since we have an extra ticket. Yeah, yeah he <laughs> looks like a person. No, okay, that's weird. Okay. <laughs> well, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Bye. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. You know, this is El Man. You're listening to Came From the Radio. I'm with director, filmmaker, Bo Roberts. Now, he's created 17 short films. That's what I read. And he created a feature film, The Great Awakening, during the pandemic, which, full disclosure, I haven't seen because, as you probably know by now, I like to meet my guests and then I see, oh, do I want to learn more? So we'll see if I want to learn more. <laughs> now, I probably will see it. Um, life's been crazy. Um, now, my first question for Bo Roberts, I'm going right into an interesting question, I think. Uh, the entertainment industry can be dangerous. Now, there's physically risky moves on set. Uh, countless comedians and directors I've worked with are psychopaths. I got my stories. What are some scary things that you've had to face as a model, he's an international model, actor, and filmmaker. Anything scary? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I would say one scary thing I've uh, I faced, but I actually chose to face was, um, so I went from Indiana with friends and family, a complete support structure down to Florida to be with a girl. And um, it was uh, her and myself. And she still had friends and loved ones. But then um, when I got into modeling, uh, I moved down to South Beach, Miami, and it's mm-hmm. just the two of us. And then uh, we broke up whenever I moved to New York City, uh, and it was just me. So this path uh, that I acknowledge of kind of self-reliance, um, it really came full circle when I went to Fashion Week over in Europe uh, to do, you know, runway shenanigans. How there. old were you and, then? When you were a runway, how old were you? Uh, I, I was about to age out of modeling. I was about 23 to 24. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so but, old. Yeah. So I, I went there and went to Milan and um, actually decided to stay for the, the full three months that my visa allowed me to do. So I'm in this foreign country. Mm-hmm. I don't really speak the language very basic, like who, what, when, where, why. Um, and that was it. And somehow I was just bound and determined to make sense of how to function in a country that I'm very ignorant as to kind of customs, language, etc. So that would be it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Going to a country by yourself, that's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't done that by myself. I don't think I will. I don't think I will. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Actually, so we're going to stick with the modeling theme now. I see you've been an underwear model. 
uh, incredible shape. You know, we, we saw your Instagram posted from your Instagram. Now I did some modeling, modeling definitely, definitely helped me uh, get gigs when I was a full-time trainer. I hosted huge events at the DC national mall that were purely hosting and nothing to do with modeling. And because of modeling, I landed my first role in a movie, which they shouldn't have picked me, but you know what? It did work out and I did end up becoming a good actor. We're reshooting everything. So my question away from me, how has modeling enriched your life and broadened your life in ways that wouldn't have happened if you weren't a model? It's a good question. And I I would definitely say modeling has enhanced my life by really exposing me to people that I hadn't really been exposed to before uh indiana it's a very uh it's a very conservative landscape uh when you are born and raised and just kind of the overall idea of what life is uh, everybody's wearing brown and black and maybe some shades of gray but um you know there's a very kind of a mentality to life and all of a sudden now i'm a print model signed with the the top agency in south beach miami so i'm walking around at in a speedo and you have all of the fashionistas that now I'm being uh, exposed to and uh, um, that and as well as gay culture that was like I was very much immersed inside of it to where um, the uh, publication that really put me on the mat to where when my first cover came out all of a sudden I went from being the guy that had 15 to 20 people on Facebook because I know who everybody is right to to hitting my 5,000 uh, friend request uh, thing on Facebook. And that happened within about two and a half weeks. Wow. Um, and, and the publication is LGBT based. And um, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, it was, you know, right from Indiana all the way into that culture uh, very much. So yeah, it, it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> my friend's husband, you, you kind of remind me of, he lived in Indiana, grew up at Jehovah's Witnesses, met her in Florida. Now they're still together. So she kind of like took them. It's like a similar. It reminds me of one of my friends. And if she's listening, love you, Mahin. All right. So we're going to switch now to your coaching program. Go back to the filmmaking. Uh, your coaching program is called the Divine Man Self Mastery Coaching Program. To you, what is a divine man? And, and also what would not be a divine man, according to you? Um. Uh, you might have different coach. I sadly don't know what you're referencing. What? The, what? The divine man is not something I'm connected to. Well, we're going to talk to your publicist. <laughs> <laughs> we're, this, is, this, this, is, uh, this is very strange. This is very, very strange. Because I was going to say, I was reading your, your bio, and then somehow it just branched off in the middle. And it went somewhere else. And I was like, wow, this guy really does a lot of things. <laughs> this is very freaking strange. Well, you know what? I got a lot else to talk about. So we're going to go back to, uh, we go back to directing. <laughs> I was going to say this, this is Perfect. very weird. This has never happened to me before. This is very strange. Well, we'll have to find out who the heck put this in your, in your bio list that sent this to me. Anyway. <laughs> okay. We're going to find editing this. All right. Now. All right. Here. Bo Roberts. He created a film during the pandemic. Yes. Yes. We're not wrong on this one. Yes. Yes. God. That is All right. <laughs> now the great awakening, right? Mm-hmm. Is your film that he created during the pandemic. And you said you did not put yourself as an actor and a model in this film. How come you didn't Tommy Wiseau this and direct it and act in it? 
Yeah. Um, so this was my, you know, uh, the great awakening. It was me, you know, branching off and doing, um, what was it? Uh, my calling card. Let's call it that. Uh, this is my calling card to let people know that I very secretly and quietly, I have been directing and making those 16 short films. But mm -hmm. if you go on YouTube, you can only see a very uh, small portion of them. So this was my chance to actually let people know, no, I, I am a director. I'm taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not using this as a vehicle to also push my name also in acting because um yeah it's like the more time i spend behind the camera the more i enjoy it mm. and uh, acting it was beautiful in a lot of various ways to me but actually creating the story and how i want that story to be told that has my full attention so i'm mm. using this project to let people know uh yeah i've been hiding behind the camera a lot more than what people think and now this is a project to let people know just what I'm capable of. I think you just feel like getting fat for a couple of years and you're just like, you know what? I can just hide behind the camera because I've thought that myself. You know, what? I get fat for a few months. I don't want to model for a few months. <laughs> um, all right. So you said in a different interview, because I did do a little research, believe it or not, uh, that you wanted to sharpen your skills as a director. Now, how do you practice directing? Stupid question. Kind of a joke. Kind of not. Does your wife participate? Do you have to do just director around the house? You'd be like, sweetie, I'm directing, you know, go to the kitchen, make me dinner. Is that part of your directing sharpening skills routine? Uh, uh, it's, that's not, but the way that I do sharpen my skills as a director is from doing all of those short films. Um, right. And it was when I would go to acting school. Um, once once uh, we would be done, people were talking about going out to a bar and going to do this and going to do that. And I would always have the idea, Hey, I have a very basic camera and some lights. Why not just buy a six pack, come over to my place and we can just ad lib a short film. Mm -hmm. So short film started off with that kind of nature and, and intention behind it. And it just grew into something that was a bit more professional. Um, but yeah, so every short film that I had created, I walked into it with a very distinct uh, homework assignment to where uh, I've been studying using light to make it look midnight outside. Okay, now shoot a short film and actually put that into practice instead of just reading about it. So short films, that's how, you know, I would sharp, uh, sharpen the tool. Mm -hmm. Would you actually, you know, for me as someone that did model first, then acting, then hosting, then directing and the filmmaking part, I find that modeling definitely taught me, you know, to angle to the camera. Like I'm very hyper aware of where the camera is, whereas a lot of people will show the side of their face, which is a problem. You have to, you have to cheat and quarter turn many times to show the front of your face. Do you find that the people that you work with that have modeled a bit are just a little bit more um, cognizant of how they appear in the frame or no difference between actors and models? Uh, you can tell how some people do have better body awareness than others. And for me, um, I very much appreciate when somebody has a, um, when they have a theatrical background or even like a stage dance background, mm -hmm. um, just cause that tells me, um, well, it, like if you have a theatrical background, 
your ability to read a script and be off book almost instantly is, right. you know, that's on point, but also, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, which angles make you look good and so on and so forth. Whereas if somebody is strictly only doing uh, like TV and film acting and they just stand on the mark, if you don't give them the proper eye line, then they may, they might not know how to make themselves look as complimentary as they could. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're looking for an actor, so this, this question is for actors that want to be hired and maybe directors too, or just people interested. Do you look for actors that are very good with improv or would you rather someone doesn't improv and they do what you say and read from the script and don't go off? Cause some people will go off because they're narcissists. I mean, there's all types of reasons why people go off scripts and don't follow a script or they follow it by the book, every single word. What right. do you prefer? <laughs> for me, I, I prefer, um, yeah, somebody that's very by the book. Uh, my movie is, it has a very specific, message being told to it and uh going through the writing process of it with my writer joey um like the words matter so you know to say this and then we jump to this scene and then this actor is saying that line and then we jump back to this actor who all of a sudden does his own thing it disrupts you know what i've spent months working with joey to actually bring to life with that being said there are moments and rooms to where um yeah like it if you can improv um i'm okay with that but then you know if it's a very stringent time that you have to be completely verbatim that's when i'll tell them hey no this has to be you know what's on the script is what has to be said right here Mm -hmm. um so yeah so i would say about 80 percent i want it to be by the book and 20 percent you know sometimes like it if you're in character and feeling it, go for it. If it works, that, I, I'm totally down to run with it. If not, you know, then we can make adjustments. Okay. Related question. I find that directors, including myself, are complete control freaks. Do you think you are a control freak? Uh, as far as being a, con- a control freak, um, yes and no. Uh, going back to it, um, I... Uh, especially you know when it's a project that I've also create created the entire story of what is being told I know exactly how it needs to happen in my head mm-hmm. so to have somebody else come in with their own input you know and it's like oh I've read the script for like two two and a half weeks yeah. I think we should do this with it I'm like okay so the last eight months mm-hmm. you know I've been doing deep dives and um, you know, like, uh, for instance, the when you watch the movie, uh, you have like um, a pastor in it and he says a couple prayers. Those prayers, like I've actually gone in uh, to the Bible and found um, applicable prayers mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. what was happening in the scene, what's happening in the movie is very representative of this prayer that I found in the Bible that the pastor is now going to say. So because okay. of that, there is a very... Um, it, it there's kind of a deep meaning um, of the story that I'm trying to tell. So mm-hmm. because of that, it's not me being a control freak. It's me trying to keep the story that's right. taken eight months to stitch together. Um, but with that being said, a lot of the short films I have done, my intention is to, again, work on lighting or get this specific camera transition. And a lot of times it's a hundred percent ad lib what they say. Cause I, I don't care on that. 
Mm. But, uh, mm. but, but yeah. Yeah, you definitely, I think you have to balance the control freak and you have to be a, a little bit because if you're so go with the flow, the movie's going to end up somewhere that's not intentional. Um, mm. All right, I think I have two questions for you. So um, as it looks like we were both probably for a decade or two minimum, both involved in entertainment industry. And I've personally seen so many themes come and go, some I hate, some I love. I, uh, I can't stand the twerking. And the ratchet, uh, the ratchet themes, which are now, it seems like things are like hyper promiscuous. I just feel like there's like a lack of respect shown in a lot of ways in media that maybe I didn't see as a young kid. But again, I also grew up with Calvin Klein ads where it was like heroin chic. So there was always some type of disrespect in the media. But are there any, my question is, are there any themes that you would like to focus on creating because you are creating a world for other people and you are perpetuating uh you know different realities you're you're creating more for the public so are there any things that you want to see more on camera in your work and other things that you will you just don't want to create more of you think the world has enough of it disgusting yeah um so as far as content i'm wanting to um put on camera as far as if somebody's twerking or doing something vulgar uh on camera to me i use absolutely everything as a tool um you know there is that saying that uh if somebody is being vulgar and cussing oftentimes it's because they can't think of another way to actually articulate what they want to say to express themselves so they resort to uh vulgarities and uh swearing and whatnot uh, so with that being said, like, I'm not opposed to it because maybe a character, you know, requires this type of edge to them for whatever reason to push the story along. Um, but it, uh, as far as kind of the subject matter of what I'm wanting to create, um, as it sits currently, um, I'm very much into, you know, what is consciousness and what's the kind of uh, what's the point of it all? So mm-hmm. my scripts delve into dealing with death and, you know, kind of a s- supernatural way to something very uh, dropped in and realistic. But yeah, it's just kind of those more more heavy subject matters for the time being. I'm interested. I'm interested. Yeah. Why existentialism? Why are we here? Why do I have these notes for you? Why? Why, why do I have a red light? Why do I have a wig on? Why, 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 why? Um, so my final question for you, we've kept you here long enough. Very, very topical, shallow question for someone who wants to make deep films. Picking from any existing movie or music video or any piece of art, what are three roles that you would like to have done? I'll go first. I like Gia, Angelina Jolie, Gia and Gia. I like that crazy character. And I love Sharon Stone in Casino Basic Instinct. I think I do a good job at it. It looks like so much fun. So for you, what would be your roles? Roles, uh, so uh, for acting. Yeah, you mean. yeah, for acting. Roles for uh, for acting, uh, to me, um, which I, I just found out that they're doing a, a remake of it, but um, Roadhouse. Okay. Uh, just, just because uh, Patrick Swayze had, you know, it in the era of like, rambo and uh predator and you know all of these super buff guys and stuff like that all of a sudden you have this kind of uh, floppy hair um you know very handsome um you know fighter but Mm -hmm. that's very soft-spoken and he's much more of a lover than a fighter and to me 
that was something that to me kind of gives some nice contrast to what was typically on screen from the you know macho man that's you know having to you know kill 80 people with a machine gun as you know yeah. sweat drips down his bulging bicep so um yeah um yeah that'd probably be the one but as far as naming two more that's not really something I, I've ever really, you know, thought of before. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. I'm so think for you. Yeah, I could see well, you as Patrick Swayze, like in Ghost. Mm-hmm. I could see that for you. Yeah. So I'm gonna make a new ghost. You could stay tuned. And uh this guy won't be acting because he wants to be a big director. So, you know, he's not gonna have time to act in my films, but no, we're just joking. Um, so final final thoughts are any thoughts for it came from the radio listeners number one and two where can they find you on social media uh as far as a kind of a final thought um yeah mm-hmm. so my movie the great awakening um it just came out and you can watch it on tv but also today i just found out that amazon prime picked it up nice so, so that's a, a thank you so that's a, a second major platform to where um, mm-hmm. most people have that um so yeah, um, and with that being said, to bleed into my uh, social media channels, um, I, I would love for people to watch it, but then after that, send me a message and tell me if you liked it, if you didn't, and why. You know, that's a big thing with me. Like, what did you like mm-hmm. about it? Because it has a very distinct storyline um, that's based around the emotion of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to feel you're supposed to feel uncertain and kind of um, like as you watch it, it's going to have an interesting flow about why things are happening. At, but also the ending to me, like it's a very solid ending in the sense of, you know, what's really happening. I actually explain it, but it's very subtle as a way to leave room for interpretation. So in case if somebody watches it and thinks this happened, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting perspective because that's a a very big commonality um you know and uh, a lot of rooms that uh, i discuss the film on is you know it's just that all of us are human trying to make sense of what reality is Mm -hmm. so all of us have various uh, perceptions on what that is so watching my movie you may think this this person may think that and you know you're parents or cousin could think something totally different so yeah that's why that's why i'm very eager to hear what people have to think of it um and yeah. with that being said um whether it be twitter youtube um or instagram which i'm on uh, uh, much more frequently but just type in mr bo roberts m-r-b-o-r and then it should autofill the rest Awesome. Thank you so much. And that's why we have multiple jurors, multiple, multiple judges on the Supreme Court. We're going to have all different types of opinions. And I just did a podcast. I had about 15 people review. I would say 13 was terrible and three loved it. So the world is all over the place. Definitely check out his film. I'm going to check it out. Write a review. Tell him what needs work. Tell him what's awesome. Tell him whatever, because we're all entitled to our opinion and take everyone's opinion with a grain of salt because we're all just humans just hopefully trying to be better people. So thank you for listening to It Came From The Radio and back to you, Mark, in the studio. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. 
Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Oh, wow. This is Brian Downey, Stanley Tweedle from the TV series Lex, and you're listening to It Came From Radio. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Hi, this is Ellen Dubin, star of Lex, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Keep listening. You had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From the Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, indievolt.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or... Just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.